Chapter 13. Homecomings and Goings Lucky I cleaned out that night sight potion, Dipple thought, as a swishing dragon tail toppled his cauldron, sending it rolling over several sets of druid's toes, causing the feet they were attached to to step backwards, the bodies attached to the feet, knocking into a table and sending a pile of delicate-looking instruments of Bernie's tumbling to the floor in a shower of sparks. Nobody move, Bernie shouted. How? she demanded, turning on Dipple. That last spell we did used a lot of power. It appears to have created a temporary link between us all. Glad it lasted long enough so we all got here, said Pimple. Spotting the pages torn from his spellbook, still scattered across the floor and in danger of being trampled, Dipple laid the empty cover open on a workbench. Restituo, he intoned, clicking his fingers. The pages fluttered to the table, arranging themselves inside the cover. Dipple felt a tug in one of his pockets as the spell he had retrieved in Merlin's time emerged to join the others. Ah. Ah what? Well, I've just realised. I may not be able to call the missing pages to me, but the pages I do have will naturally seek out their fellows. I can use them to lead me to the lost pages. If Merlin won't come to the castle and all that... What's that? asked Merlin. Oh, uh, just a turn of phrase, sorry, old chap. Anyway, it's the other way around, Bernie said. What? That phrase. It's meant to be Merlin trying to get the castle to come to him. Probably, Dipple said distractedly, looking at Alan still standing motionless where he had landed, eyes staring. I think we need to get this chap home. Fire up your console, Bernie. Destination? Sherwood Forest, 13th century. Right. I've loaded the coordinates of when we left. Whenever you're ready. Uh, join hands with me, Alan. Dipple grabbed the still speechless minstrel by the wrists. My homing crystals can't move you from the present, Bernie said patiently. They only work once you're in the time stream. You'll have to go through the trapdoor. Uh, right. Over here, old chap. Dragging Alan behind him, Dipple squeezed past the huddle of druids and dragons crowded in the centre of the room. You lot wait here a tick, he told them. I'll be back soon to take you all home. And don't touch anything, he said, seeing the druids eyeing the many novel objects scattered about the room. It will be more than a tick, Bernie grumbled. Sit up on the edge here, old chap. Just let your legs dangle. That's right. Okay. Dipple climbed up beside Alan, who was staring down at his legs as they faded in and out of time. Ready? Let's go. Grabbing Alan's arm, Dipple dropped into time, pulling the minstrel along with him. Dipple and Alan reappeared in the clearing a mere second after they, along with the druids, the dragons, and everyone else, had vanished. The merry men had neither moved nor had a chance to register what had happened. Alan! How'd you get over there? Where's everyone gone? Alan's taken a little trip through time. Two trips, actually. I've seen the future... Alan breathed, speaking at last. That was the future, wasn't it? Uh, yes, that was my lab. Maybe you should put a forgetting spell on Robin and his company, Bernie said. Make it like we were never there. Gads, if I do any magic, we'll wind up with two dragons here again. Those men have seen... They haven't seen anything about their own futures, Dipple said. Fine. Well, I may as well bring you home, then. 
Uh, I'll just say goodbye to all these chaps. Putting a finger to his lips, Dipple slipped Robin a spare antennae. Touching the spot where the ladybug sat on his brow, Robin raised his eyebrows in a question. Dipple nodded in reply. Oh, and you better get those ladybugs back while you're there. Uh, time for me to go, chaps, Dipple said loudly. My thanks for all your help in retrieving my spellbook and capturing the sorcerer. Something to tell the grandchildren, eh? Dipple! A joke, Dipple said, and a distraction. Best not spread this story around, eh? Who would believe us? The friar said. The score is one apiece, Little John boomed. If you ever return, we must have a deciding contest. Indeed, Dipple agreed. Oh, and say goodbye to Will for us. If he ever returns, Much grinned. Farewell, said Robin, and my thanks again to your lovely wife. Mine also, agreed Marion, handing Dipple the three remaining bottles of Scarlet Stag. Goodbye and thank you from Bernie, too. Okay, Bernie, bring me home. Farewell, Dipple called as the clearing began to blur. Next, he grinned, reappearing in the lab. There was no answer. The visitors were gathered about a screen, bowls of popcorn scattered among them. Uh, Lord of the Rings? Dipple asked. Basic babysitting, said Bernie. They haven't moved since I set that going. Time to go, folks. She moved to switch off the screen. You'll have a riot on your hands if you don't let them see the end. Grabbing a bowl of popcorn, Dipple sat down to watch. Don't you start saying the lines, Bernie said. You'll spoil it for them. Can we get these dragons out of here now? She asked half an hour later as the screen went blank, breaking the entrancement cast by the moving pictures. No offense, she told the dragons, but you do take up a lot of space. Easiest way to get the dragons home is to send them through the wormhole in Merlin's time. I'll go back with the druids, then do a spot of magic to call the dragons to me. I could send the princess and gardener home from here while you do that. I don't want to go back said the princess. Uh, don't you miss your father, your mother? They aren't going anywhere, the princess argued. When I go back, I know exactly what my life will be. I want to go on more adventures with you first. They are missing you, the dragon mother said gently. And I'm not planning on letting him go on any more adventures, Bernie told her. Though I am going to have to go after the rest of my spell book, Dipple thought grimly. Oh... The princess looked downcast. Anyway, Bernie, I think I should take the princess home. Make sure she gets there safely. Princess, you come along with us, and I'll take you home when we're done. And the gardener? You are planning to take him home too. Uh, well, I had thought taking him home would get him killed. Katmu is no longer there to harm him. I'm aware. Right, well, you know what I think about meddling with time. I've picked up a few hints, yes. What do you say, Karu? Well, I did quite enjoy working that garden. Right, uh, you come along too, then. Dipple turned to the druids. You chaps will all need the objects you brought to get you back home, he told them. Don't... Oh, said Muscles, his hand grasped around the carved wooden bird barely peeping from his pocket. He never had a chance to say more. Touch them yet, Dipple finished. Two down, he added. Oh no, 
Mousy cried, patting a pocket. Something's eaten my cheese. Don't worry, said Dipple. We can all go back together, so long as no one else touches anything till we're ready to leave, he added severely. Before you go, Bernie said, do you have any washing? Washing? Well, since you're taking the lot of them, I'm going to have a bit of time on my hands. Once I've sorted out the mess in here, Bernie glared around the group. Uh, we will need your help. I'll put the console on speaker. Uh, right. This is all I have at the moment. Dipple handed her the same pair of grubby underwear he'd given her in Nottingham Castle. What did you do to these underwear? Polishing. Haven't you got any you've actually worn? Uh, well, I only took the one spare pair. So you've been wearing the same underwear for how many days? Uh, let's form a chain, chaps, like before. So we all go together. One hand on the next chap's shoulder, leaving your other hand free to grab your item. That's it. Princess, Ikaru, grab onto me. You two, wait here, he told the dragons. I'll do a spot of magic when we arrive so you can follow. It'll take us a little while to get there. Right, now, let's choose a place to focus on so we're all aiming for the same spot. How about by the first wormhole we created? suggested the scholar. Good idea. All of us except Merlin know that spot. I know the general area, Merlin said. I'll aim for that. Excellent. Everyone picturing that spot? Good. Now, you chaps bring out your items. Make sure you have a good hold on them. The end of Dipple's sentence swirled away into time. Stay within the tree line, the scholar warned as the wormhole materialized in front of them. We don't want to get stuck inside the lady's border again. I think she's closed it, said Dipple, wandering out onto the beach. I can't sense it anymore. It is gone, Merlin agreed. Oot Ignis, Dipple intoned. A tiny blue flame appeared on his upturned palm, followed immediately by one thud, then a second as the dragons appeared beside him, the small lizard clinging to the dragon mother's shoulder. Giles! yelled Sourface. Hello, chaps. Gloomy maundered up to them from along the beach. Didn't think I'd see you again. Uh, have you seen Muscles? Muscles? Big chap. Martin? Lost in time, is he? I'm here. A bedraggled Muscles emerged from the trees, robes torn, skin covered in scratches. Where'd you wind up? Blackberry Patch. Ouch. How? Well, my bird is a blackbird, right? And that made me think of blackberries, and... Oh. So, when did the border close? Dipple asked Gloomy. Just after sunrise this morning, Gloomy said. My mushroom brought me back to the cave when I left you. I'd been stuck inside the border ever since. Anyway, I went out for my morning... Uh... He glanced at the princess. Walk, and... Suddenly realized I was, uh, watering a tree. Any sign of our lovebirds? Dipple asked, wandering toward the lake shore, eyes on the island. Lovebirds? We put a love spell on the lady and the sorcerer, the scholar explained, and sent them back here. Nope, haven't seen them, Gloomy said. Probably off smooching somewhere, Pimple gagged. The causeway's not there anymore, said Gloomy. 
So, being alone together turned out to be more important than trying to trap an additional source of power after all. Do you think maybe you and Merlin should get a spell on that island so they have to stay there? Bernie asked sweetly. Uh, right. Too much to hope for a little credit for being right, Dipple supposed. We should probably get a barrier spell on there, Merlin suggested. Indeed, great minds do think alike, it seems. What? Dipple! Uh, I was thinking along the lines of Inaxium, Ixia, Non-Ingressum, Circuitum. That should do it, Merlin agreed. I'll use your power one last time, if I may, Dipple said to the dragon. Then I'll remove my links to you and your mother, and you can return to the volcano. Of course, wizard, the dragon agreed quickly. Use my power, too, the dragon mother said. Mother, the dragon began to protest. My strength is returning. Her mother, who was indeed looking much healthier, assured her. We must make the spell as strong as we can get it. How far out shall we take it? Dipple asked Merlin. Just round the island, I think. We want folk to be able to reach the lake. Inaxium Ixia non ingressum circuitum, they chanted, standing side by side, arms outstretched toward the island. A golden ribbon drifted from their fingertips, floating out across the water to encircle the island, spreading down to the lake bed and beyond, spreading upwards and inwards to form a sparkling golden dome, gradually fading to a faint haze, visible only to someone who knew to look for it. Oh, the dragon cried. The pendant, Dipple guessed. The lady must have sensed our spell and reactivated it, the dragon moaned, moving toward the lake. Drat! Should have removed it when we had the chance. The power of the pendant may be stronger than our spell, Merlin said. If so, the lady could draw the dragon to her through our barrier. Worse, she may be able to use it to draw herself to the dragon, the sorcerer with her. But if our spell is stronger, Dipple groaned, the dragon will be crushed against the barrier. We need to add another layer to our spell he told Merlin, to keep any magic cast inside from reaching the world outside. Caintus Magicae, they chanted together. The barely visible dome turned silver briefly, before returning to hazy gold. Done, said Dipple. It has not impeded the pendant, the dragon huffed. We must get her through the wormhole, the dragon mother cried, strong enough now as she clung to her daughter's tail to prevent her moving forward, but unable to drag her further from the lake. Everyone grab hold and pull, Dipple yelled. Secateur, he ordered, clicking his fingers. You will tear me in two, wizard, the dragon gagged, the pendant about her neck still pulling in the direction of the island. Secateur, he repeated, grabbing the pendant as he called on the dragon's own power to force her to follow him. Keep pulling, he cried, leading the dragon toward the wormhole. Right, now, push! Goodbye, dragon, the princess called as her friend vanished into the wormhole. Farewell, a disembodied reply floated back to them. Hurry, Dipple told the dragon mother. We need to get this wormhole closed before she is pulled back here again. Once that's done, I'll remove the links connecting us. We shall close the wormhole from our end too, the dragon mother said to prevent further accidents. Good idea, Dipple agreed, too distracted to wonder why this idea made him uneasy. It was several centuries later when the uneasiness returned to his mind as a fully formed thought. By then, it was too late. Farewell, the dragon mother cried. Then she was gone, the lizard along with her. 
Right, chaps, you'd best get this wormhole closed. Merlin, Dipple, Ikaru and the princess watched as the six druids who had opened the wormhole joined hands around the portal and began to chant. Claw de rent, claw de rent. The wormhole shrank until all that was left was a slightly squashed worm and a time leaf. The worm shuddered, ate the time leaf, then began a sluggish journey back toward the lake shore. The newly released fire ant was less sedate, giving Pimple a nasty bite on his ankle before he could step out of its path. Here, Dipple handed the hopping Pimple the small pot of aloe gel. Then, seeing the princess looking tearful, he put a comforting arm around her shoulders. I never had a chance to say a proper goodbye, she said sadly. We are safely home in the volcano. The dragon's thought voice came to Dipple's mind. Ikaru seemed to be listening, and the princess grinned. She had heard it too. Can we keep in touch like this? she asked. My thought is passing through the link with the wizard, the dragon explained. And I'm afraid we're going to have to close that link, Dipple added. Oh. The wormhole is closed, and I have destroyed the pendant, the dragon continued. Farewell for now, my friends, and thank you. Grieve not, princess, we may yet meet again. Really? The princess grinned. Farewell for now, then. Everyone said their goodbyes? Good. Let's sort out these links, eh, Merlin? Ah, Vinculum, Dipple said quietly, releasing the bonds between him and the dragons, their sudden absence leaving him feeling oddly hollow and a little lonely. Ah, Vinculum, Merlin echoed. Right, I just need a quick chat with Merlin, then I'll get you two home, Dipple told the princess and Ikaru. You know this is not the end of it, don't you? Dipple said to Merlin. Merlin nodded. Dipple, Bernie warned. He has prophetic sight, Dipple grated. I'm not telling him anything he doesn't know. And you know you're meant to help Arthur? Especially now the lady is distracted, Merlin agreed. Technically you don't need to wind up on that island now, but... If I don't, it will affect time, I know. I will help Arthur then find a cave to end my days in. Ah... Uh, you don't have any more of that wakefulness potion, do you? Eh, uh, best not to use that particular potion. Try this, though. You mix a little with hot water to make a tonic. Not as potent as the other stuff. You can add a little honey to sweeten it. Nice with milk, too. Cold coffee. Won't reach your land for another thousand years. Ripples! Bernie growled. You're right, Dipple agreed. So it's not going to do any more harm to let them keep their ladybugs. He handed Pimple an antennae. You left ladybugs in Nottingham too, didn't you? Bernie groaned. Okay, has everyone said goodbye? Good. Grab on, Princess, Ikaru. Take us to China, Bernie. Wait, the princess said. Could we go back a little later than when we left? It would be good for my father to miss me a little. Well, we need to take you back after the dragon mother visits. Otherwise... Goodness knows what it would do to the events we have just been a part of. Do we know when the Dragon Mother was in China? Bernie asked with forced patience. Uh, it was not long after we left, Ikaru said. She and I talked about it while you were looting the castle. A couple of days should do it, Bernie. Right, Ikaru? Ikaru nodded. Princess? Yep. Dipple, the princess, and Ikaru joined hands. Ready when you are, Bernie. 
They were soon back in the dungeon, where the prince and his lady sat huddled together on the damp floor, oblivious to the filth that had ruined their fine robes, weeping for their lost daughter. Mother! Father! Distressed at seeing her parents in such a state, the princess rushed to comfort them. Liu Chu! Forgetting the customary reserve that would have seen them greet one another with a bow, the small family formed a joyful huddle. After a moment, as if suddenly sensing their lack of decorum, they drew apart. Where have you been, daughter? the mother asked. What became of the dragon? the prince asked at the same time. Her mother? The dragon is reunited with her mother, Dipple offered. Honoured guests! the prince, at last noticing the others, bowed. I was wrong to imprison you. The Lord Katmu deceived me. When you all vanished, my mind became clear. I knew he had taken you. I have had men scouring the countryside, but there has been no trace. Where? Uh, rather a long and confusing tale, Dipple said. Your daughter has returned safe to you, and the sorcerer, for that is what he was, has been dealt with. We must plan a celebration, the prince said. You shall remain as our guests for as long as you wish. What do you say, Ikaru? We have some time, Ikaru said with a wink. What have you done to your robes, daughter? The princess's mother said suddenly. Have you seen your own robes, mother? The princess grinned. Looking down, the mother laughed. There shall be no feasting until all here have bathed and been regowned. While they bathed, a new experience for Ikaru, who had never known the luxury of heated water, let alone servants to wash and groom him, Ikaru's tunic was cleaned, mended, and returned to him. Dipple took care of his own robes, easier than emptying all those pockets, but even magic would not restore the underwear he had been wearing for days. These were taken away on the end of a long stick by a shuddering servant to be burned, and Dipple was presented with a new set of silk underwear. Dipple and Ikaru stayed with the princess and her family for several days, feasting, laughing, and reliving their adventures, but at last it was time to leave. The prince bowed to Dipple. My thanks again, he said, for ridding us of that menace, and for the safe return of my daughter. And for the adventure, the princess added with a grin. Goodbye, princess. Dipple and Ikaru each gave their friend a hug. Ready to go, Ikaru? Ikaru grabbed Dipple's arm. To the gardens, Bernie, Dipple called. And just like that, after the usual rough-and-tumble ride through time, of course, they found themselves back in Katmu's dungeon. Gats! I hope the sorcerer's gone on his time travels, said Dipple, pushing the door, which was closed but unlocked open, and wandering out into the garden, Katmu being too distracted to change the lock after Dipple absconded with the key. I did some research while you two were dilly-dallying, Bernie said, and found out when the Lord vanished from his own time. Ah, smart work. Uh, we haven't brought Ikaru back twenty years after he was here before, have we? It's only a couple of months after you left. It took Katmu a surprisingly short time to figure out your spell. Uh, you may have to come up with a story for where you've been the last couple of months, Dipple told Ikaru. I doubt anyone noticed I was gone. I am a nobody in this time, after all. Well, you're not a nobody to me. I've valued your friendship and your advice on our journey together. Dipple was scrabbling in his pockets again. Uh, you might find this useful. He handed Ikaru the key to Katmu's dungeon. I'll use the dungeon as a tool shed, Ikaru said. Probably won't need to keep it locked. Best if the key remains in its own time anyway. Farewell, my friend. 
Farewell. Orbis Volo, determined not to lose it this time, Dipple caught the ring in his mouth and tucked it securely beneath his tongue. As Ikaru's smiling face faded and time began to swirl around him, Dipple relaxed. Soon he would be home with Bernie. At that exact moment, a time jolt slammed into him. He gulped, then gagged, as a small round object began to make its way down his esophagus. Thanks for listening to this chapter of The Adventures of Dipple. If you're enjoying the story, you can support Josie by following one of the links in the podcast description.